It's the football, 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 and sometimes other sports show. Here's your host, AJ Nicoletti. What up? FFFSOSS.com. At FFFSOSS. Twitter Instagram. Twitter TV slash AJ3. Happy Halloween to everybody out there celebrating. Hope you got your costumes, the candy, all that. Listen, it wasn't my favorite growing up. I didn't love just walking around to people's houses. I. I don't know you. How how do I know you're giving me candy that's real? Like, you know, I was a very anxious young young guy. <laughs> Still am. But, um, no, uh, happy Halloween to everybody out there celebrating. Great holiday. Really kicks off the holiday season uh, with the end of October here. Then you get into Thanksgiving and then Christmas and New Year. So, good, good stuff all around there. So, again, happy Halloween to everybody uh, celebrating. And trick-or-treating on this uh, Halloween Tuesday as we release this pod. So, on this Halloween Tuesday pod, we're going to predict the initial college football playoff ranking. So, we'll do that in the kickoff. Then we'll do our NFL Week 8 recap, college football Week 9 recap, weekend soccer recap, some World Series to touch on as well as we played three games of the World Series so far. And then we will recap Sarai Pulak's and pick six at the end of the program. So, a big show. Kickoff will turn our attention towards the first college football playoff rankings. Um, give you some of the storylines surrounding the teams and how I think they will be sorted out. How I would sort them out and how I think they would be sorted out. So we'll do that. Then we will do NFL Week 8 recap. Uh, back to college football for Week 9 recap. Weekend soccer recap. World Series. Start blocks and pick six at the end of the program. So let's kick it off. Predicting the initial college football playoff rankings. The committee historically in this, you know, short history of the playoff, fine. But they love head-to-head wins. They love impressive wins by big margins. They don't necessarily value close wins the same, which I do understand. But then they act like their evaluations are some, like, secret formula. and stuff. Like, we know what you value, okay? So just to set the tone with the committee... The first thing that they have to do is sort out these five unbeatens at the top. Um, Washington has a gigantic win over Oregon. Yeah, they have some close calls against the Arizona schools and the Wildcats and the Sun Devils. You have Georgia, who has close calls against South Carolina and Auburn. Weak schedule, which isn't really their fault necessarily. I mean, I understand, you know, at a conference, they could have played a better schedule. But in conference, how is it their fault that the SEC East is down? I, I don't know if that's their fault. Florida State, a gigantic win over LSU, who might be the best two-loss team in the country if not them, it's Notre Dame. Comeback win against Duke, close call wins against BC and Clemson, but the Knolls have a pretty good resume so far. Ohio State has two good wins uh, over Notre Dame and Penn State now. The Penn State win, especially the way they play the big teams, if they just keep beating up on the Indianas, the Purdue's, the Illinois, like, and you just step up to Michigan and, and Ohio State and never beat them, like, what are we talking about here? Um... So though Ohio State has the wins over Notre Dame and Penn State, I think the Notre Dame win is better than the Penn State win, but they still have Michigan left, as we know. And Michigan, all real blowout wins versus inferior opponents, to be fair. Um, no knock on UNLV or Bowling Green and Rutgers, teams that are pretty much already bowl eligible, right? UNLV and Rutgers are, I'm pretty sure. Um, but they have their big remaining games against Penn State or Ohio State, so we'll learn more about Michigan as we kind of go along. And they've really done the job that they're supposed to do with the schedule that they have. Like, yeah, I understand they don't, they didn't like go to Oregon or they didn't like, 
take on like USC or UCLA or they didn't come east to Miami or Clemson. I understand that. They don't have a great out-of-conference schedule. And historically, they really don't because they did play Notre Dame every year. They did have some games like that. But now, when they don't play Notre Dame every year, they're out of conference. doesn't look great. Um, so that's the five unbeaten's resume. Then you got to organize the one-loss teams. Oregon's lost to Washington on the road. That's the best loss in the country to me. Bama lost to Texas. Texas lost to Oklahoma. Oklahoma just lost to Kansas. So how do you kind of sort out those three teams? Because we understand, like, yes, the committee loves head-to-head. But when you have an Oklahoma team that isn't really that necessarily good yet, we're not sure. Texas is good. They beat Bama, but um, on the road. And... But they lost to OU, and Bama's good, but they lost to Texas. So how the committee sorts out those three teams is going to be very interesting. Penn State laid another egg uh, in a big game, and Ole Miss is a wild card. Lost to Bama, obviously. So um, it's a very interesting list of unbeatens. It's a very interesting list of one-loss teams. And then you have LSU and Notre Dame who, if they had one loss, each, you'd be looking at them being like, hey, look at these teams with one loss, right? But they don't. They have two. So they're going to be behind everyone, but their seasons really matter because Ohio State needs Notre Dame to keep winning and be a good football team because then their win in Notre Dame Stadium looks amazing, right? Um, Oregon, in theory, needs Washington to only lose to them because their loss on the road is the best loss in the country right now. You kind of need that, but then Washington's in your league. You have to beat them to go to the playoffs. So it's very interesting because the relationship between some of the unbeatens and the one-loss teams, the the ranking, how you rank the five of them, how are you going to do that um, in each category? So here's what I think they should be. To me, Washington has been really, really good. And with Penix... They beat Oregon. I understand it was at home, but they beat Oregon. Tight, tight, close game. They've been impressive in other wins. Yes, I understand the close call against Arizona and Arizona State. But to me, they've been the best team in the country. Now, I have Florida State, too. And you know I'm not a big Florida State guy, and you know I'm not a Norvell guy. So for me to have them, too, really shows how I pr- impressed I am with the Knolls. Um, the big win over LSU to start the season. Comeback win against Duke. Again. Red bandana game in Chestnut Hill. They escape. Clemson game. You could argue if Clemson has an actual kicker, they're, they Florida State loses the game you know, outright, not winning in overtime. Um, but I think they have a strong resume. And they've been very good. Um, then I have Georgia. The close calls kind of worry me. But I can't hold the SEC schedule against them. That's not fair. That's just who they have on the schedule in their conference. The out-of-conference, I could be like, hey, I wish you played some teams, you know? But I, it's not their fault that South Carolina and Florida and these teams are down. It's not fair. Um, so I have them third. Then I have Michigan ahead of Ohio State. And you're going to say, how do you have Ohio State behind Michigan? Ohio State has the two wins over Notre Dame and Penn State. You even said that it's one of the best wins. Right. 
they have those big wins, but Michigan has pretty much all blowout wins. And how the committee sees that, I think they will see Michigan, or to me, Michigan's more impressive than Ohio State. I don't think Ohio State's that good. I think Ohio State got lucky in South Bend. Um, they were very, very fortunate. And if Penn State ever, you know, can put one game against them together, they're going to lose. So Ohio State is very fortunate. They shouldn't have not won that game in South Bend, but they did. So you have to give them credit, but also I can put them behind Michigan, in my opinion. Now you can say, we'll figure it out. November, whatever, that Ohio State is back and they're going to beat Michigan. Fine, we'll figure it out. But right now, to me, Michigan's wins have been more impressive, even though Ohio State has the wins against the better two quality opponents. I hope that makes sense. Now, the one-loss team, so I have Washington, Florida State, Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State. Then I have Oregon. Oregon has the best loss as a one-loss team, and they've won every other game. Very impressive win in Utah. I understand that it's like the third-string quarterback. I don't care. Going there and, and commanding a game like the Ducks did, that was very, very impressive to me. So they are in the sixth hole. I'm ranking the the round robin like this, and I don't care what anyone says. Bama, Texas, Oklahoma. I think Bama was unfortunate that their quarterback situation was not was too fluid and it was not solidified with Milrow at the point that they played Texas. I think Texas is very unfortunate to lose that game um, to Oklahoma at the Cotton Bowl. And I think Oklahoma, if you're looking at these losses, Oklahoma has the worst one. Now, I understand... It's not necessary about ranking the losses, especially when Texas beat Bama and OU beat Texas. I get that. But if you're saying who are the better teams, you're saying, well, they played on a field and this happened and this happened. Okay, you're looking at it as one game. I'm looking at it as a whole season. I understand that those teams beat those teams, but it wasn't like they were impressive blowout wins. Texas had some big plays from Worthy and the rest of the receivers in the second half, and Bama couldn't really do anything offensively. OU has a couple of miracle plays against Texas. Kansas beats Oklahoma. So I'm not trying to crush Oklahoma, but I just see them as the third team here. And I understand that they beat Texas, and I understand that Texas beat Bama, but I have Bama after Oregon. Then I have Ole Miss, then I have Penn State. And then you can put LSU and, and um, Notre Dame, okay? Now, what I think they will be, and I could be dead wrong here, but I think they're going to value Ohio State's wins. But somehow, I think Georgia's going to be one. Um, have they been overly impressive throughout their whole? No. But we've seen them rank the defending champions you know, in these previous polls to give them, you know. So, like, and again, if Georgia doesn't start one, do we see them as one right now or somebody else? Right. So, Georgia probably gets the benefit of the doubt, and I think they'll put them first. Then I think they'll put Ohio State, Florida State, Washington. I think they're going to put Michigan on the outside because even though their wins have been impressive, they're going to say, you didn't play anyone, not at all, that kind of stuff. So, I don't know. I just... That's kind of what I'm thinking, okay? That's kind of what I'm thinking. So, what I think they'll be, Georgia, 
Ohio State, Florida State, Washington, Michigan. Then they'll rank Oregon, OU, Texas, Bama, Ole Miss, Penn State. I think they will value the head-to-head stuff where I necessarily don't value it as much. Um, I do value it, if that makes sense. Just not as much as they value it, okay? So it's going to be very interesting when these rankings come out because we're going to see right away how they rank the unbeatens and then those three teams that I talked about in the round robin of one-loss teams. Because Oregon has to be the best one-loss team. They have to be. If you if you say other thing, if you say another team that has one loss is better than Oregon, you're wrong. I'm sorry. You're wrong. You're wrong, okay? Therefore, the storylines to me, how are they going to rank the five unbeatens? Oregon has to be six. How do they rank the round robin of Oklahoma, Texas, Bama? I think those two kind of prevailing storylines will give us hints about how they will value and view these evaluations of these teams as we go on the rest of the season. So that's kind of what I'm looking for. How they rank the five, how they rank the three-round robin, and then the third thing is, where's LSU and Notre Dame? That's, those are two teams you're going to have to watch because those two teams, how they finish, affect other teams' resumes. So you got to remember that. Uh, so that'll be really exciting to see. All right. Um, Let's go from the student-athletes to the pros, and then we'll go from the pros to student-athletes at the end. So we'll do NFL Week 8 recap. Nobody on the bye. We had 16 games on the schedule for Week 8. Tampa and Buffalo got a start on Thursday night. Bills went at 24-18. to Got the scoring started with a Bass field goal. McLaughlin field goal got tipped. Bills drive it. Big chunk play. Allen the digs, then another one to Shakir. That set up fourth and goal. Allen incomplete, so they turn it over on downs. Bills get set up after a punt return. Allen runs it in to make it 10-0. Baked to Godwin for 31, set up a McLaughlin field goal, so the Bucks get on the board. They're down 7. Allen does a pass tipped in the air and picked off. A white run set up goal to go. Baked to Godwin were tied at 10 with that touchdown pass. Cook with a good run. Allen to Davis, then Allen to Diggs for another trunk play. Allen to Kincaid, touchdown, finishes the drive off. 17-10, half and same score. Allen scrambles. For a big game, then three times he hits Davis, including the touchdown. Bills up 14, 24-10, fourth and 10. Illegal contact continues to drive. Fourth and eight, Bate gets sacked, but another flag extends the drive. This time it was a face mask. Fourth and 10 to the Buffalo 24, Bake Evans touchdown. Two-point play, good. The ball went off the defender's helmet, and Mike Evans still caught it. I mean, that's outstanding stuff and focus from him. So it's 24-18, 2-44 left. Bucks kick it deep with three timeouts. They're facing a third and five. The Bills are. He, he, he hits digs to keep possession. Third and two, they get stuffed. Fourth and one with 31 seconds left. Bills end up punting. It's for a touchback. Bate gets it back. 21 seconds left. And he throws the Hail Mary. Last play of the game. And it just falls incomplete in the end zone. It was a great throw by Bate, to be fair. And people blaming Godwin. He's like right there. It lands right next to him. Why is he not facing the ball? As explained, if you haven't seen it, there's a lot of the receivers have roles on the Hail Mary. So Godwin there is looking for the deflection to get batted back towards the field of play, not the end zone. And he can kind of try to get into the end zone that way. He's not facing the ball to look for the 
he's not facing the ball to look for the catch. Originally, he's looking for a deflection. So that's why it kind of fell incomplete next to him. And people are like, what the hell, man? All right, Sunday. First up here, Jacksonville, Pittsburgh. Jags win at 20-10. to 10. DPI set up a McManus field goal. Then the Jags settle for another McManus field goal. So it's 6-0. And then back-to-back turnovers, really, for the Jags. Lawrence hits Ingram. He fumbles. Then Lawrence gets picked off. The Steelers drive it from their own two. They get on the board with a Boswell field goal, so it's 6-3. Jags added another McManus field goal to make it 9-3. And then end of the half, Pickett gets hurt. Mitch comes in. Boswell makes a field goal. It comes back on a penalty on the Steelers, even though the Jags were the team that was offside in the neutral zone. And then he misses the next attempt. So should have been 9-6 at half. I'm not saying it's a different game, but it's a three-point game rather than a six-point game, so it kind of is a different game. Anyway, Bigsby fumbles, but the Jags get it back. Lawrence ATN touchdown on the swing route. Great route, great throw from Lawrence at the end there. Steelers with a big answer. 10-play drive ends in a Mitch to Pickens touchdown. They're back in the game down seven. They get the ball back, but Mitch gets picked off. Jags got a fourth McManus field goal to make it a 10-point game. And then Steelers fourth and 16 of the Pittsburgh 40. They turn over on downs, and then they get it back. But Mitch picked again to end the game Jags get a road win in Pittsburgh and they've owned Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh so credit Jacksonville Duval Nation Jets Giants the MetLife Bowl Jets went in overtime 13-10 this was an outstanding performance from Morstead the punter I think he put three inside the five if I'm not mistaken so just a game where the weather and it's about defenses and offenses are struggling special teams really play a big factor and they go unsung in so many games but it's very nice that um, it's getting highlighted in this one. So, Jets' first possession ends in a Wilson fumble. Gano made a 51-yarder to get the scoring started. Wilson hits Hall for a 50-yard touchdown. So, the Jets on the board and in front, 7-3. Taylor um, runs, sets up a Gano missed field goal. Then Taylor gets hurt. In comes Tommy DeVito from Syracuse and Illinois, the Jersey product. Jets fumble it. Barkley, a huge run. Unnecessary roughness flag nets a new goal-to-go situation. DeVito runs it in second half now. Giants up 10-7. Jets then, then convert a long third down, but it's fourth and 10 at their own 41. They turn it over on downs. Giants can't ice the game with a first down, so instead of going for it on fourth and one, it wasn't a long... It wasn't two, but it wasn't inches, so it was a one. It, was, it wasn't a long one, but it was a true one. Uh, Dable elects to kick the field goal to try to make it 13-7 to make the Jets get a touchdown to beat them, but Gano misses it. So, Jets, no timeouts. Um, need a couple chunk plays and then need to get it clocked, right? So, he hits Wilson for 29. Then he hits Lazard for another 29. Clock running under 10 seconds now, and they do get it spiked. And I don't want to hear Boomer, Esaias, and all these people. Boomer, watch the clip. The center does spot it, and it wasn't the center. I think it was the right guard playing center. But the ref, the umpire puts his hand on the ball. That means it's fine, okay? So learn the rules, Boomer, you clown. He's the worst. He's like the biggest Jets-Cowboys hater of all time is Boomer Esiason, and he acts like he's not. Like, he played for the Jets. He, like, he acts like he does He's a jerk. Boomer Esiason, you are a jerk, dude. You're a jerk. Um, how do you not know that your partner is doing? You're a jerk. You're a jerk, dude. You're a jerk. Um, so they do get it clocked. Boomer. And Greg Leg hits the field goal to force overtime. Giants go three and out. Just get a completion. Then a huge DPI puts the ball at the Giant 15. 
and Greg DeLeg wins it with his field goal. 13-10. Jets get a big win against the G-Men. And they're just trying to stay in this AFC wild card picture because if they get the quarterback back in week 12, who knows? Who knows? It'd be pretty crazy. Houston and Carolina. Carolina get their first win of the season, 15-13. Texans go 17 plays from their own eight to the Carolina one and their fullback. Beck punches it in, so they're up 7-0. Panthers drive it. Goal to go. Fourth down incomplete, so they turn over on downs. Then the Panthers do get on the board. A young to tremble touchdown, but they miss the extra point, so Houston lead 7-6. Panthers start the second half with a Pinheiro field goal, so they're in front 9-7. Stroud to Beck, but he fumbles, sets up another Pinheiro field goal. So Panthers up 12-7. Texans, 12-play drive. Stroud, touchdown, two-point play to make it go up. Three is no good. So Houston leads by one, 13-12. Panthers convert a fourth and two. Then on fourth and 11, a field goal attempt. Texans get a necessary roughness flag. So the field goal is shorter. Pinheiro makes it, wins it. Panthers get their first win of the season, 15-13 in the Battle of Young first Stroud, the first two overall picks of last year's draft. All right, Pats went down to Miami. Historically, they do not do well in Miami, as we know, and they didn't this time. Dolphins went at 31-17. Two got picked off, so the Pats got on the board first. They got set up there. Mac to Bourne, touchdown, 7-0. Two at a hill, long touchdown, got it tied. Then the Dolphins go 14 plays, drive ends, and a two at a Wilson touchdown. Dolphins in front, 14-7. Pats on the move, but Mac Jones gets picked off. Shout out Jalen Ramsey, by the way, back in for the Dolphins. His first uh, game, he gets a pick. Dolphins settle for a Sanders field goal, so it's 17-7. Then second half, two of fumbles. It sets up a Rhineland field goal. So Pat's back in the game down seven, but a nine-play drive for the Dolphins ends in a Moster touchdown. They're back up 14. Pat's answer with a 13-play drive. Max to Juju touchdown, so back in it within seven, but a Tua to Waddle touchdown makes it 31-17. Put it out of reach. Pat's fourth and 14 at their own 21. They turn it over on down so a big win for Miami Dolphins they bounce back after their Sunday night loss to the Eagles they win at home in division against the Pats Atlanta Tennessee Tennessee wins it 28-23 it was Will Levis's first start Willis comes in for a package play he fumbles it Falcons get on the board first with a coup field goal then Levis just said I'm gonna throw it to DeAndre Hopkins he throws a long touchdown pass to him Titans in front 7-3 Ritter sack fumble. Titans set up at the Atlanta 33. He throws another touchdown pass to Hopkins. Levis does. 14-3 is the score. Falcons start the second half with Heineke in over Ritter and a coup field goal. So within eight, Falcons then settle for another coup field goal. So it's 14-9, the Tennessee lead. Levis, Hopkins, another long touchdown. So it's 21-9. Heineke, Hodge, big play. Sets up a B. John Robinson touchdown. I believe his first as a pro. So, Falcons down 5, 21-16. Spears a good run. Levis to Westbrook at Kinney. 28-16 touchdown. Falcons 8 plays. Then they're into the red zone. Heideke to Miller. So, they're down 5 again. They get it back. It's 4th and 1 at their own 22, but they turn it over on downs. Could not keep the drive alive. Titans win it at home. Will Levis's first start. They win it 28-23. Vikings, Packers. Vikings win it 24-10. Listen, I um I was wrong about this game. The Packers are not good. Not that I'm I was saying that they're a very good team, but they should have been good enough to beat the Vikings at home. And they're not. They're just not. So um that was a mistake. Vikings win at twenty four to ten. 
They're driving it early, Minnesota is, but it remains scoreless after Joseph misses a field goal, then back-to-back, -back, roughing the passer flags on Cousins. Cousins to Hawkinson sets up an Acres touchdown, so it's 7-0. Vikings then settle for a Joseph field goal that he makes, so it's 10-0. Packers finally get on the board, late second quarter, field goal, no good, comes back on a defensive offside. The next time, Carlson makes it, so it's a seven-point game at the half. Vikings started the second half with a 13-play touchdown drive. The Packer defense could not get off the field. Cousins to Hawkinson, touchdown. 17-3, Love gets picked off one play later. Cousins to Addison, touchdown, 24-3. So it's done and dusted, right? No, Packers finally get in the end zone. Love to Dobbs, so it's a 14-point game. Cousins gets hurt, and Joseph field goal gets blocked. So it's still a 14-point game, and the Packers are set up. Fourth and four at the Minnesota 10. They turn it over on downs. Hall's in for the Vikings. He fumbles. So an instant red zone for the Packers again. They get a touchdown. They're back in it, right? Fourth and 16, Love takes off and tries to scramble, and he gets 15 and not 16. Son, it's fourth down. You're not going to get 15 yards on a scramble in the red zone. It's just too compact down there. It was a dumb decision, and therefore they turn it over on downs. Then, guess what? After failing to convert a fourth and 20, they turn it over on downs again. So the Packers, he threw a pick. One play later, it's 24-3. Then they finally get in the end zone. They get a big break on a field goal block. They turn over and downs. Then they get another break when the backup for the Vikings, Hall, fumbles it, and they still can't score. So no, they got nobody to blame but themselves. That's a horrendous game from the Packers. They let so many first halves get away from them that they're always digging out of the second half this season so far, and it's just not winning football. End of story. Now you want to talk about winning football. How about the Dallas Cowboys? 43-20 to at home over the Rams. They've destroyed teams at home so far this season. I understand people are like, well, they played this team. They played that team. When they played the Niners, they got their butts kicked. Okay, that's fair. Let's see what happens when those teams come to Dallas now. It's only fair, right? So, Cowboys win a 43-20, a complimentary football-type game that I've been asking the Cowboys play to play for years. Offense was good, limited turnovers. Defense got turnovers and got the ball in the end zone. And special teams between punts, field goals, returns, blocks. Excellent game from Bones Fossil's crew. So, Cowboys impressive. Rams not so much in this one. And I do think the Rams... It can still possibly make the playoffs. I think they're better than Seattle. I think Seattle's been um, gifted some wins, to be fair. All right. Ten-play drive for Dallas. Gets them in the end zone. Dak to Ferguson. They're on the board. 7-0 Rams. Break their deadlock with a Harvashik field goal. I believe that's how you say it. He's in for um, Maher, who they cut. Cowboys next drive in Aubrey. Long 58-yard field goal is good. So Dallas up 10-3. Stafford then threw a pick six to Ron Bland, so it's 17-3. Then Rams next drive. The punt gets blocked for a safety, so it's 19-3. Then a great return on the safety punt by Turpin. Sets up a Dak to CeeDee Lamb. Touchdown. CeeDee Lamb was unbelievable this game. I think 12 catches. Cowboys on the move, but the Dak pass gets tipped and picked. I'm not going to knock him. They get it back. Dak to CeeDee again for a touchdown, so it's 33-3. Rams get in the end zone. A Freeman touchdown. Two-point play, no good, so it's 33-9. Then second half action. Stafford to Skoranek. Touchdown. Two-point play, good. So it's 33-15 with the Cowboys at an Aubrey field goal. Uh, Rams turned over and down. Stafford got hurt as well. He slammed his hand into one of the Cowboy helmets, so that's never good. Um, that's never good. Ripping came in, so the Rams turned over and down. fourth and two of the Dallas 46. Dak to CD for a chunk play. Then they hit the stutter go to Brandon Cooks for a touchdown. 36-17. Rams got another Harvestick field goal, so that's how it finished. Cowboys 43, Rams 20 in Arlington. All right. NFC showdown, Philly and Washington in 
Landover. Eagles win at 38-31. A Robinson run set up a Howell and a McLaurin touchdown. Commies on the board first, 7-0. Eagles get on the board with an Elliott field goal, so the lead is 7-3. Then a nine-play commander drive ends in a Howell, the Dotson touchdown. Commanders feeling themselves here up 14-3 early, but the Eagles driving, going in, Gainwell fumbles. So you're thinking, maybe it is our day. Maybe it is our day. But Commanders had fourth and one of the Philly 35. They turn it over on downs. They didn't want to attempt a long field goal or punt, but they did not convert. So then here come the Eagles. Hurts to Smith twice for first downs. Hurts to Brown touchdown. Made a 14-10, a sly field goal, made it a seven-point game. Eagles drive it. They go for the shove play at the goal line, but Hurts fumbles. So it's the first time we've really seen Hurts fumble on this play. And um, I guess that's how you beat it. You got to make him fumble. But the Eagles get it back. Hurts hits A.J. Brown for another touchdown, so we're tied at 17. Commanders, 14-play drive ends in a howl of Thomas touchdown, so they're back in front by seven. Eagles answer. Hurts, Smith, touchdown. Howell gets picked off. Eagles set up in commie territory. Hurts to Julio Jones for a touchdown in the end zone. Eagles first lead 31-24. Commanders fourth and eight at the Philly 40. They turn it over on downs. Commanders get it back. Fourth and five at the Washington 25. They turn it over on downs. Eagles set up. They run the brotherly shove sweep to Swift. He walks in. Eagles up 38-24 and then to cover, or to push the cover, Howell, the Crowder, touchdown, 38-31. Eagles recover the onside kick. And that's all she wrote from Landover. Eagles going to win. Saints, Colts, weird game here. Uh, Saints win at 38-27. Colts go seven plays for a touchdown. Minshew to Pittman. Saints answer with their own seven-play drive. Car to Kamara, so we're knotted at seven. Lucky sevens. Colts settle for a gay field goal, 10-7. Car sack fumble, so the Colts take over at the Saint 30. It leads to a Moss touchdown, so they're up 10. Saints drive ends in a Hill touchdown. Taysom Hill out of the Wildcat had a big game. 17-14 lead cut to then. Saints get it back. Car to Shahid, a bomb. Saints in front, 21-17. Colts settle for another field goal, so it's Saints 21-20. Minshew gets picked off. Saints increase the lead with the touchdown to 8 with the uh, Kamara touchdown, 28-20. Saints get it back. Another Taysom Hill touchdown out of the Wildcats. So they go up 15, 35-20. Colts back in the game. Minshew to Ogletree touchdown. Down eight. Saints punt it, but the Colts punt it back. And the Saints add a groupie field goal to make it 38-27. The final score of the game. All right. That was the 1 o'clock window. How about the late afternoon games? Cleveland and Seattle. Seahawks win at 24-20. Kenneth Walker, big run, set up a Bobo touchdown. Then P.J. Walker fumbled for the Browns. Geno Lockett starts the drive. Geno Lockett, touchdown, finishes the drive. Seahawks in front by two touchdowns. Then P.J. Walker to strong, big play. P.J. Walker to Njoku, touchdown. Browns on the board, down seven. Seahawks then settle for a Myers field goal. They're up 10. Then P.J. Walker gets picked off. Browns get it back. 11-play drive ends in a hunt touchdown, so they're back in the game within three. Geno gets picked off. Browns tie it on a Hopkins field goal. Geno gets picked off again. Browns go in front on a Hopkins field goal, 20-17. Then a P.J. Walker pass late in the game. Doesn't get batted up in the air. Jamal Adams headed it into the air. Seahawks come down with it. 157 left, two timeouts. Gino to Fant, big play. He stays in bounds, which is actually smart. Then Gino to Smith and Jigba for the touchdown. Seahawks in front, 20 to 24 to 20. Sorry. 
Browns have two timeouts when they take over, but they end up turning it over on downs. They get faced with fourth and 19 at their own 16, and an incomplete pass ended the game and gave the win to the Seattle Seahawks. Kansas City and Denver. The streak is over. Mahomes has lost a road division game. He was previously unbeaten, and the Broncos have finally beaten the Chiefs. The last time the Broncos beat the Chiefs, Peyton Manning was the quarterback. Now he's an ESPN employee. Broncos win it 24-9. They took over in the Chiefs' end. Russ to Williams, a touchdown, 7-0. Chiefs then drove for a Harrison-Butker field goal to get on the board. Then Mahomes hit Valdez-Stantling. Next Chiefs possession, he fumbles. Russ to Judy, big play. Then a Russ to Judy touchdown. Nice ball. Floated it up there for him. So it's 14-3 Denver. Mahomes then gets picked off. Broncos, fourth and two at the Kansas City 42. They turn it over on down, so the Chiefs add another Butker field goal. So they're down eight, but Mahomes fumbles it near the end of the half, but Russ fumbles it right back. So Chiefs have a timeout. End of the half, can they get a, a field goal on the board? Mahomes hits McKinnon, timeout. Into field goal range, Butker field goal. Good. Denver in front, 14-9 at the break. Then Broncos open up the third quarter with Lutz field goal getting blocked. Chiefs can't do anything with it. Then they get it, they're about to get it back. Hardman muffs it. That set up a goal to go. Russ to Sutton, touchdown, 21-9. Chiefs, fourth and two of the Denver 26. They turn over on downs. Mahomes gets picked again. A McLaughlin field goal ends the scoring, 24-9. So, a tough one for the Chiefs. If you're going to turn the ball over that many times in the f in the first half, you can't let the game kind of get away from you with the score. They did, and that's where they suffered. Too many turnovers, too many miscues. And in division, even though that team hadn't beat you in a long time, they still know your tendencies. They still know you pretty well. And at some point, you're going to get beat. It just happens, unfortunately, for some things. You're going to get beat. You're going to get beat. Okay? All right. Cincinnati and... San Francisco up next. San Francisco loses their third game in a row, and now they're headed into the bye. Bengals and Joe Burrow looks healthy, and they're a different team when he's healthy. End of story. Bengals. 10-play drive. Burrow to Boyd touchdown ends at 7-0. Bengals. Niners answer with McCaffrey touchdown, so it's 7-7. Then the Bengals on the move. Burrow hits Isovis. Isovis again? The Greek guy. Touchdown. 14-7. Bengals next drive ends in a McPherson Missed field goal. So the Niners can get it tied up or at least make it closer. They make it closer with a moody field goal. So they cut the Bengal lead to four. Then Burrow to Smith. He fumbles. Nothing comes out of it. Bengals open up the second half with a McPherson field goal. So it's a seven-point game. Then Purdy throws a pick. Niners get it back. Purdy throws another pick. I mean, these were bad picks. Burrow to Chase. Touchdown. He does a backflip. They're up 14. Niners go 10 plays. Purdy and McCaffrey touchdown. They're back in it, 24-17. But they couldn't get off the field. A mix-in touchdown puts the game away, 31-17. Purdy sack fumble uh, sealed it as well. So that's how the Bengals get a big win on the road in San Francisco. Get the Bengals some credit. Baltimore and Arizona in the desert. Baltimore wins at 31-24. Cardinals go right down the field. 12 plays. Dobbs touchdown puts them on the board first. 7-0, but the Ravens answer with the Lamar to Mark Andrews. Touchdown, we're tied at 7. Cardinals, 4th and 1 of the Baltimore, 44. They turn it over on downs. Ravens move it, but Tucker misses a field goal. So it's still 7-7 with the Ravens kind of struggling a little bit in this first half. Cardinals, 4th and 1 of the Baltimore, 36. Instead of taking lead with a Prater field goal, they go for it. They turn it over on downs. They get it back. Dobbs gets picked off. It leads to an Edwards field goal. So Baltimore 
in front, 14-7. to They would not relinquish the lead. Dallas gets picked off again. Ravens set up another Edwards touchdown, 21-7. Ravens then get a Tucker field goal to make it 24-7. Dobbs hits McBride. They get the two-point play. So the lead is cut to 24-15. Then Dobbs to Brown, touchdown. Two-point play, good, but it comes back on a hold, and they don't even get close for the second attempt. So Baltimore, 31-21. Cardinals recover the onside kick. 110 left, no timeouts. They kick the field goal early, which is smart. They make it a seven-point game, and then they got to get a second onside kick. They kick it right at Aguilhor again, but this time he gets up and makes a big play, which you got to do it in um, those moments. You know, that you know you're on the hands team for a reason. You got to bring the ball in. They're protecting you. You got to catch the ball. So he does it the second time. Didn't do it the first time. Does it the second time. Ravens win in the desert. Sunday night. Bears, Chargers, Chargers win it 30-13. 10-play Charger drive got the night starter. Herbert to Eckler, touchdown. Chargers up 7-0. Chargers get it back after um, Bears punt it. Another Charger drive ends in a touchdown. Herbert to Pahoko, 14-0. Uh, Badger gets picked off. Chargers stall for a dicker field goal, so it's 17-0. Bears finally on the board. 14-play drive ends in an Evans touchdown, so they're down 10 Chargers into the end zone again. Herbert to Partham for 24-17. L.A. then opens up the second half with a Dicker field goal, so they're up 20. Bears fourth and one at their own 29. They turn over on downs. Chargers at another field goal. Bears fourth and two at the Charger 26. They turn over on downs. Chargers give it right back. Fourth and one at the pair 35. Turnover on downs. But then on a fourth and three, Badgett gets picked. Eckler fumbles. Badgett sneak touchdown. Two-point play no good. Uh... Chargers recover the onside kick. That's how it finished, 30-13. So that was Sunday night in L.A. Let's go to Monday night in Detroit Raiders-Lions. Lions win at 26-14. A Patterson field goal got the Detroit scoring underway. They're up 3-0. Goff to Reynolds. He fumbles. Jimmy G gets picked off next play. Next Raiders possession, fourth and two just on their side of the field. An incompletion turns it over on down. So the Lions just set up nearly midfield. They drive a goal to go, but they're faced with a fourth and goal from the eight. They line up to try to get the Raiders to jump offside. They get the delay game, make it a longer field goal, but Patterson makes it. So it's 6-0. Lions again driving, but they stall for a third Patterson field goal. So they're up 9-0. But the Raiders, they finally get a drive of their own going. Jacobs really ran the ball effectively on this drive. And it was like, okay, maybe they can do this the rest of the game. They get back in the game. But that was kind of the most success they had because the touchdown got them to 9-7 a two-point game end of the half two minute for the Lions Goff chunk plays to Williams and Gibbs Goff to Laporta for a first down Goff to Laporta for a touchdown so it's 16-7 half end shortly after then Goff throws a pick six so the Raider offense was bad Peters takes this back and gives them uh, doubles their score just like that so again it's a two-point game but the Lions were absolutely dominant, and even though it was a two-point game, and you're like, whoa, maybe the Raiders can pull this out. They just didn't do anything consistently enough on offense. Garoppolo was missing guys. Uh, Renfro wasn't getting separation. Adams was wide open, and he couldn't get on the ball. The line wasn't doing that much, and after that really good drive where they got the touchdown from Jacobs, you didn't really see a ton of him on the ground. And I understand the score gets away from you, but you still got to run the ball sometimes in this league, to be fair. Um, and again, Lions on the move, but Reynolds fumbles. 
Uh, they get it back, and then they get the Gibbs touchdown to get it to 23-14. Then Goff sneaks on a fourth down, but they're facing on a fourth and eight. They kick a Patterson field goal to make it 26-14. Raiders, fourth and ten at their own 36 turnover on downs. Patterson misses a field goal that could have made the difference a little bit bigger. And then the Raiders had fourth and 18 after Jimmy G took a sack on a third down. It was fourth and 18 at their own 32. They turn over on downs again. And then Lions have fourth and two just inside the two-minute warning. They elect to go for it to ice the game. And Goff hits right. Look kind of like a version of maybe Spider 3 Y banana. Not It didn't seem like two, but maybe it was three. Uh, but Goff to right, to tight end, to seal it. The second tight end because Laporte is the first tight end. He's excellent. So Lions win it on a Monday night, 26-14. Good win at home in prime time for Goff and Dan Campbell and, his, uh, and their Detroit Lions squad. All right, from the pros to the student-athletes. College Football Week 9 recap. Oregon, Utah, impressive win from the Ducks, 35-6 in the mountains. Knicks, two touchdowns in the win. Very, very impressive win from Oregon. Duke and Louisville was the only other ranked-ranked matchup. Louisville, 23-0. Leonard plays, but Duke gets shut out. Jordan, 163 and two touchdowns on the ground for the card. Number six, Oklahoma lost in Kansas, 38-33. Oklahoma led 21-17 at the half, then took... Two separate leads, one point, but two separate leads, 27-26, and then 33-32. KU converts a fourth down late, then scores a touchdown to win it. What a win for Kansas. That's that's awesome. That's a big, big win for them. They should be very proud of themselves. Now, Oklahoma, they do this. They find games to lose that they shouldn't lose. Like, how many times? Uh, Iowa State was a very good program for some years with Campbell, and now they're kind of, you know, flaming out, but... At home on a Saturday at noon, like you shouldn't lose that game. Now I understand this at Kansas, but you still you're Oklahoma. They're Kansas. Okay, you don't lose that game. Um, number four, FSU took on Wake, forty-one sixteen. Knowles win. Travis three touchdowns to win. Penn State bounced back against Indiana, thirty-three twenty-four. Indiana was in the game. They were only down seventeen fourteen at half, uh, but couldn't put together a better second half than they did. Georgia beats Florida, forty-three twenty. Georgia was up twenty-six-seven at the half. Florida scored 13 in the fourth quarter to make it closer than it was. Texas handles BYU was 35-6 um, final. 21-6 in the third quarter. Texas two scores late made it a bigger margin. Notre Dame hammers Pitt, but they lost their tight end, which sucks. 58-7. Hartman, two tight ends. Estimate 114 on the ground, three touchdowns. USC Cal. Listen, I told you USC can't play a lick of defense. USC overs are automatic. They win the game against Cal 50-49. They came from behind. And Cal actually scored and tried to go for two in the win. They didn't get it at the buzzer. I give Wilcox a bunch of credit for giving uh, for trying that because at home you're supposed to go to overtime on the road. You try to win the game, but um, I get what Cal's trying to do. They're trying to beat USC. They in the last time they're going to play them in conference, and they didn't unfortunately. But they gave them all they could. Um, Tulane beats Rice thirty to twenty eight. Tennessee beats Kentucky thirty three twenty seven. Washington remains unbeaten. They beat Stanford. 42-33, Penix, four touchdowns and a pick. I understand the game was close, but Washington was going to win that game. Air Force remains unbeaten. They beat Colorado State 30-13. Ohio State handles Wisconsin 24-10. McCord, two touchdowns, two picks. Not really impressive. Colorado, UCLA. Colorado hung on, um, but UCLA wins at 28-16. Garbers, two touchdowns and a pick in the win. Ole Miss beats up on Vandy 33-7. Dart, one touchdown, one pick. Judkins, 124 on the ground with two touchdowns. James Madison, Remains unbeaten against ODU. They win at 30-27.
And Georgia Tech beats UNC 46-42. UNC loses two weeks in a row to unranked inferior opponents. That is a bad job by Mac Brown, who's a guy that I respect a lot. The fact that he took up so many years off and came back and is still you know, having success and winning games. But these last two weeks for the Tar Heels have been inexcusable, inexcusable. Um, horrendous, horrendous losses from UNC. And Arizona upsets Oregon State at home, 27-24. Big win for them. They beat a ranked team. They had not beat a ranked team in a long time in Arizona, so give them some credit. All right, let's go to footy EPL recap. Tottenham beat Crystal Palace 2-1. An own goal got Tottenham scoring started. And then a humming stone goal made it 2-1. Madison to Brennan Johnson, then across the sun. Brilliant balls. Um, an IU goal, which Tottenham fans wanted chalked off for a handball, but they couldn't really tell. Um, you can slow it down so much, and if you can't tell, then it's a goal to me. IU brought one back, but it was too little too late. Chelsea and Brentford at the bridge. Brentford have now beaten Chelsea three times at Stanford Bridge. They have more wins in 2013 at Stanford Bridge than Chelsea do. That's amazing. Uh, Pinnock and Embuemo, the goal scorers. Pinnock at the back post, really good ball at the back post, good header from him. And then the second goal, they sent Sanchez up on a set piece, and Embuemo, they just took off running, and it got squared to him, and he put in the net. Uh, Arsenal, Sheffield United, Arsenal went at 5-0, and Nkinti, a natural hat trick, three bangers. Uh, I know the second one is like a net mouth scramble, but he puts it in the roof. The first one's a great touch. The third one is an outstanding distance goal. Uh, Vieira penalty made it 4-0. And then Tamiyasu, a second phase from a set piece, put it one, one in as well. So he got his goal, the Japanese international. Bournemouth beat Burnley 2-1. A Taylor goal got Burnley started. Semeno uh, leveled it for Bournemouth. And then Billing caught the Burnley keeper out. And uh, really nice shot on that. Wolves-Newcastle finished 2-2. Give Wolves a ton of credit here at the Monlieu. Playing tough, playing Newcastle hard, and um, giving them an opportunity to get points because Callum Wilson made it 1-0. Then Lamina leveled it for Wolves. A penalty gave Wilson his second. It was conceded by Huang, and then Huang got the leveler. So absolute scenes for Wolves to get that one 2-2. West Ham-Everton, this is a horrendous loss for West Ham at the London Stadium. You're better than Everton. You have better players than Everton. You really only have to look out for one guy on Everton. Now, I know Jack Harrison's been better, um, but I got news for you. If Calvert-Lewin's in the team, you got to mark one guy. The fact that he scored and scored the only goal in the game, that is a terrible job by David Moyes. That's a terrible job by Alvarez in the back line of West Ham. And Bowen and Antonio and Ben Rama and... Ward Prowse and Su you gotta find a way to score a goal against Everton. I mean, they are giving up goals left, right, and center. That's a terrible job by them at home. Liverpool beat Forest three 0 uh, The story out of Liverpool, unfortunately, isn't really about the game. It's about Luis Diaz's parents being kidnapped in Colombia back home. Um, his mother was returned safely, and his father, um, last word and last reports, had possibly been smuggled into another South American country. I believe it was Venezuela. So. The Colombian authorities doing everything they can. Uh, just you know, keep that in your in your mind. If you're a religious person, if you're a faithful person, if you keep Luis Diaz and, and his parents in your prayers, that'd be really really appreciated. 
Um, I say that because Liverpool went 3-0, and the first goal from Diogo Jota comes off a rebound from a Nunez shot, but Jota ran over to the bench and held up Luis Diaz's kit, which was a very, very nice moment um, at Anfield. Nunez gets his goal, Sobosly, great ball across with power, with pace, and Nunez just directs it into the roof of the net, so 2-0 Liverpool. And then the third goal, a misplay from the forest keeper Turner and his back line. Sobosly bombs one towards Salah. They let it bounce, and Salah just kind of rolls it into the net. So that was the third goal done and dusted. Brighton Fulham finished 1-1. A Ferguson goal gave the host the lead, but a Paulinho equalizer, a brilliant goal, made it 1-1. Villa Luton Town, Villa win at 3-1. McGinn, awesome goal from a set piece, faked the shot and then walked in and a really good finish in the corner. Diaby, a good goal for Villa. He's been an assist and goal machine since coming over from the Bundesliga. An own goal made it 3-0 Villa, and then an own goal made it 3-1. So that's the scoring there. And then we had the Manchester Derby. United at home, and I understand... With Veron and Lissandro and, you know, injuries to Luke Shaw and Wamba Saka. And, you know, they have injuries. That I understand that. Um, but you got a guy in Sancho who's having an apology off with the manager. You got a guy in Anthony that's, you know, being questioned by the police and you can't start him, but you play him anyway. You got a guy in Rashford who you thought turned the corner into being that superstar. He's not right now. Uh, Hoyland, it's not fair to just throw him all on the pressure, but he's got to be better. Mount has not been good since coming in. Casemiro has had moments, but that's it. He's had moments. Um, Erickson's older. Bruno, I I told you this at 7-0 against Liverpool. I told you at last, um, the game against Arsenal with Man, with Man U, I told you a couple years ago, Bruno is not a leader. Bruno is the antithesis of a captain. He whines, he complains, he moans, he kicks up in the air. He goes immediately to the officials all the time and the ref. Like, he, like it is a disgrace. And if I was a Manchester United fan and that guy was my captain, I would be screaming to have him stripped of the captaincy. That is a disgrace. That is a that is a high point position in English football. The captain of Manchester United. There have been great great men that have been captains of Manchester United. And this Bruno guy it's a disgrace that he's wearing the armband for Manchester United. And I don't even like the club. Okay? And I'm telling you that. So that's how you know. Right? So just off that United should be embarrassed. Ten Hag should be embarrassed. And and I understand they won a couple games to get everybody off their back, but it was all building towards this game. They needed to have a good showing. They needed to get a result, and if they got a win, maybe the t table turns a little bit, but they got embarrassed in their own building, and they can see the penalty. Then Holland's by himself at the back post to head one in, and the third goal, Rodri walks in, has a go, fat rebound from Onana, right to Holland. Holland squares it for Foden. He's the first one. Ho Rodri gets to walk in. Holland's the first one to the rebound, and Foden's the first one to the ball across. And that's all you need to know about Manchester United. At home, didn't want to play. And was the first half that entirely bad? No, not entirely. Onana made some big saves, but was there a ton of possession where you looked and said, oh, wow, United should have a goal there. Oh, wow, United looked good here. Well, oh, wow, that was a good moment for them. That was some good, that was some good phases. That was some good movement and tactics. No. 
Ten Hag set his team up to fail. They continue to play like individuals and not a team. And if you can't see that, I don't know what game you're watching. So United fans should be embarrassed. And the captain should be stripped of the captaincy. I think it's obvious. And you, know, you want to argue with me about, oh, you're a Liverpool fan. Of course you say that. Listen, I watched Roy Keane say it. I watched all the Manchester United fans on DR Sports say it. Okay. I looked at Mark Goldbridge, and he said that he should be skipping the captaincy. And I had this take months ago. Okay. So there you go. All right, La Liga, El Clasico, Barcelona, Real Madrid. Not at the camp now, but at the Municipality Stadium. Metropolitan Stadium in Barcelona? I can't remember. Real wins it 2-1. Gunawan, you know he's going to score big goals. That's just what he does. He scores big goals for these clubs, um, whether he's at Dortmund, whether he's at Man City. He just does a sensational job of putting the ball in the back of the net. So Barcelona went up 1-0 at home. They're thinking, here we go, early on. But it's a Bellingham goal in the 68th minute that levels it. And then 90 plus 3, a Bellingham goal wins it for the visitors. The Madristas leave Barcelona with all three points. What a game. Cadiz Sevilla went 2-2. Atletico beat Alves 2-1. Raquel May and Morata, the goal scorers. Syria. Juve beat Verona. It was a Cambiasso stoppage time winner for Juventus. Inter beat Roma 1-0. Taram goal. Napoli and AC Milan finished 2-2. A Giroud, Brace, Politano, and Gasparadori were the goal scorers for Napoli. Natan got set off for Napoli late in the match. Atalanta beat Empoli 3-0. Lazio beat Florentina on Monday 1-0. It was an Immobile stoppage time penalty. That was the difference for Lazio. Bundesliga. Uh, Kimmich got sent off in the 8th minute, I believe, or early in the game. And Munich only kept a clean sheet and scored eight goals. Kane Hattrick, Sané Brace, Musiala Brace, Muller goal. There you go. Rebel Leipzig beat Cologne 6-0. Warner a pen in there. Frankfurt Dortmund drew 3-3. Sabitzer, Makoku, and Brandt the goal scorers for Dortmund. Away from home, Leverkusen beat Freiburg 2-1. Wurtz on the score sheet there. Ligum, Clement, Nice. Nice went at 1-0. Uh, PSG beat Brest away from home 3-2. And Marseille-Lyon was postponed because there was an attack on the Lyon bus, I believe. And... We, we just got to stop doing stuff like this. Like, I understand, you know, you could hate players on the other team. You could hate other teams, but we we can't be resorting to violence. It's At the end of the day, it is just a game, and you're going to say, you can't say that. You always argue it's more than a game. I do, but I'm also a fanatic, and we can't have violence. We can't have um, buses getting, like, attacked. We can't do it. It's not a good thing. It's not a good thing, so... Um, that game got postponed, so there you go. Midweek soccer, we got Carabao Cup matches in England. We got Copa del Rey matches in Spain, Copa Italia in Italy, and DFE Cup in Deutschland, the Fatherland, Germany. Okay, so that's the soccer for the weekend and the week. Now to the ball field, the World Series Game 1. Rangers went at 6-5 in 11 innings. That was a really, really good baseball game. I treated it out uh, when baseball is good it's very very hard to top it was a great moment in Arlington at the end of the game there at the end of um the ninth inning there for Seager but it was a great great game uh Rangers jump on Gallon early then a two-run triple and then uh to tie the game and then the D-backs made a 3-2 they got a couple more runs and then Seager shot two-run shot tied in the ninth that that moment was awesome, and then Garcia walk-off home run in the 11th. It was the first extra inning postseason 
game. Which, those are always fun. Especially because the rules got changed in the regular season and now it's just regular baseball in the, in the extra innings in the postseason, which is nice with no stupid ghost runner. So, it was good to see some regular extra innings. Um, what a moment. What a moment in Arlington to see your tying home run. That was sick. And then Garcia walks it off. Game two, D-backs win at 9-1. It started kind of like a pitcher's duel until the fourth inning. Arizona scored two. Rangers answered with one, but then in the seventh, eighth, and ninth innings, D-backs continued to add some runs to break it open and make it 9-1. So the series was tied 1-1 going to Arizona. Rangers win game three, 3-1. Scherzer starts. He got hit with a comebacker. He was facing a jam in the third inning, and with that comebacker, they got out of it. So he leaves the game, but they don't give up any runs. Rangers gets three in the third, two on another Seager home run. D-backs got one back in the eighth, but they could not get a base runner in the ninth inning to start a rally to possibly get that crowd going and uh, get back in the game, force extras possibly in the series at, at their home park. So Rangers win game three. They go up 2-1 in the series, game four and game five in Arizona. Got to win. Got to win at least one of them to force a plane ride to Arlington. Okay, so that was the baseball so far, three games into the World Series. Let's go to the picks portion. Recap, Sarai Pulaks for Week 8. Pick 6 for Week 8. Sarai Pulaks 3-0 up to 24 on the season. Buffalo versus Tampa was a win. Chargers versus the Bears was a win. Detroit versus the Raiders was a win. Three primetime games, three primetime winners. Pick 6, 3-2-1, so we got a game back. 21-25-2. and two. Uh, Tampa Bay, Buffalo, under 43 was a winner. Green Bay, plus 2 was a loser at home against Minnesota. That's a horrible effort by Green Bay. Pittsburgh plus three against Jacksonville. Game could have been 9-6 at halftime. Maybe it's different, but they didn't have a good uh, second half, especially with Kenny getting hurt there. Washington plus seven versus Philly. They're winning the game until it's uh, 31-24 Eagles, unfortunately. But they do get the push there, so that's good. And Chargers, Bears under 47 was a win. Raiders, Lions under 46 was a win. So the three unders, three primetime unders were winners. So I think we're just going to go with that going forward. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's pretty obvious. Like, it's only seems the, the, the trend that wins games recently. So we're going to go with primetime unders going forward in the pick six until that, you know, really kills us and try to pick some home dogs that win instead of push and lose. So that's really the strategy for the pick six going forward because we're down. Um, it's tough to pick favorites sometimes in this league, but it's all good. So, all right, um, that will do it for the Tuesday edition of the program. Again, happy Halloween to everybody. Everybody be safe out there. If you're trick-or-treating, if you're driving around neighborhoods, you know, go slow, uh, especially at night. You know, people are in costume. They're, they're maybe in dark outfits. So be careful out there, everybody. Enjoy the candy. Enjoy the holiday. But please be safe. All right. Happy Halloween, everybody. We'll talk to you Thursday. Everybody have a good week. Enjoy the trick-or-treating. Until then, peace. Sometimes other sports show. That's the name of it. Guys, check out his podcast.
That sounds like my kind of podcast. Football, 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 and sometimes other sports show. Sounds like me.